As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Steikast, the German football pod Brought to you by The Athletic. Today, it's a three-for-all, as Bayern and Leipzig contest a six-goal thriller in Munich, Leverkusen's Werk, 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 Werk self go all the way to second spot with a 3-0 win at 2021 Bundesliga promotion hopefuls Schalke, Silas Vermangi Tuka takes his time to put it in Barry White style, and the pot's favourite Bundesliga coach Lucien Favre makes his point at Frankfurt. All of this and more in Stahlkast. Hello listener and hello Christoph Biermann and Kevin Hatchard, the original Stahlkast crew. But before we start, a quick message to say that the new Athletic subscription now comes with a gift for someone else, right in time for the holiday season. So it's get one, gift one, a bit like Werder Bremen at the weekend. Go to theathletic.com slash Stahlkastpod to sign up. Boys, before we get going, I wanted to ask you something a little bit different. This weekend saw a lot of beautiful goals. My favourite one was Alisson Player's goal to give Gladbach a 2 to draw at Freiburg. What was yours, Christoph? I think I would go for the same. I was. It, it was a beauty of a... Of, of a and normally you, you, you say something like, ah, they could have defended it better. Yeah, but, but in this case, it, it was just so good. And uh, yeah, I would also go for Player. It was sort of a power curler from the edge of the <laughs> yeah, beautiful goal. I'm really tempted to go for Silas Wamangatuka's winner against Werder, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, the goal that I'm actually going to go for uh, is Ritsu Duan's uh, winner against Mainz for Armenia Bielefeld because he's a player that's really caught the eye for Bielefeld. He's really good fun, uh, really proactive, always trying to make something happen. He took on uh, several players and then pinpoint precision found the bottom corner. Really nice goal. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Also, I think a shout out for Braylon Bolo's goal. A beautiful move. Uh, Gladbach's first. I really like Girena's effort as well. Wow, yeah. what, what an amazing individual goal from his. If you want to see all of goals there, all these goals, they are available on the Bundesliga's official YouTube channel. Right, there's so much to talk about. I think we have to start at the very top. Bayern against Leipzig on Saturday night. Three-all draw, lots of really good football attacking-wise. A point each 
and a sense that there are some issues uh, defensively. Is that fair to say, Christoph? I think Bayern were kind of just struggling to to <laughs> hang on at some stage. With all the injuries and the tiredness that we have talked about, I think they were pushed to the very limit by the Slaptic side. I totally agree on that. I, I wouldn't say that Bayern was lucky in, in, in getting uh, the draw, but you, you could see that they are having a lot of problems right now and that they have to rely on mentality. Maybe it's it's uh, so so they they're lacking also some some organization also in the build up of the play but also how they uh, protect themselves from counter attacks and um, but I think it's 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 all in a way explainable um, because as you mentioned uh, so so many players are missing um, some out of position David Alaba uh, after a long time back. Um, as a as a left defender on the and and so and so on. Although Thomas Müller was saying that he 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 actually didn't know what the roots of the the problems are, but I think the problems are so obvious that maybe um, you, you don't have to dig for the for the roots. Yeah, I think that's 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 fair to say. I mean, Bayern had a lot of issues in defensive transition, um, and I think it's a domino effect when the pressing doesn't quite work. Well, first of all, when the build-up doesn't quite work, you lose the ball in difficult areas. When your gegenpressing pressing doesn't work, then you create a lot of danger for yourselves. And if then maybe one or two players are a little bit tired or not focused enough, or you know, slow to come back or maybe not motivated enough in the case of Leroy Sané, who I think um, had a pretty forgettable game, then chances will will be created for the opposition team. And I think Leipzig didn't even ha- actually have to play all that well in possession, and they had very little of <laughs> little of the ball, to, to create these chances. And I think it's worrying, but perhaps, Kevin, there's also a sense that this is now just the tail end of 2020 and Bayern just have to somehow see out this year and then they can relax or maybe recharge their batteries a little bit and go again. I think that's spot on, Rafa. I think that's exactly what's going on, not just with Bayern, but with a lot of top teams right now. It feels like they're surviving games as much as winning them. You look at Liverpool, for example, in the Champions League against Ajax. I thought they had similar problems in that they looked very, very shaky uh, without the ball and were easy to get at. And we we see that's happening with Bayern game in, game out, even against fairly limited teams. They're giving up chances. You look at that draw they had with Werder Bremen. If it hadn't been for Manuel Neuer, uh, they may well have lost that game. And Hansi Flick made reference to it. The workload they've had over the past year has been really quite extraordinary. And they haven't got time in their schedule to work on these Uh, things that would normally be automatic. It's quite a complex way of playing. It's quite a demanding way of playing. And as you say, if one thing falls apart, the rest of it falls apart. And I think teams are now being encouraged in a way because they can see that you can get at Bayern. We've always known they give you a chance with that high defensive line. That's the way they play. But the one thing we can't forget is the incredible quality they have going forward. And if they can bring on a 17-year-old in Jamal Musiala, who can score five minutes after coming on in a game of that magnitude and then be involved, uh, at least in the build-up to the other two goals, it shows the strength and depth they have, but also the attacking quality they have. Yeah, I think it's a very fair point you make. Um, The players that have come in, despite the obvious or 
shall we say, inevitable drop in quality when you have to replace the irreplaceable in, in Shoshua Kimmich have done have done well by and large and haven't looked out of place. And I think that is testament to Hansi Flick and testament sort of to the uh, self-coaching mechanisms inside the team. Thomas Müller was talking about this after the game, saying again, oh yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier at the moment because uh, people can actually hear him and maybe reporters can hear him and, and it's become more of a thing, but he's always trying to to help his teammates and himself. He said also it was a way of keeping in the game for himself, this this constant uh, Radio Müller broadcast that's being <laughs> that's being uh, uh, emitted uh, on the pitch. But what does that tell us about Leipzig? I mean, if you are Julian Nagelsmann, you make the point that uh, once more Bayern couldn't beat you. This was the fourth draw in a row. They created uh, chances. They scored three goals for the first time they scored in Munich. They were on an equal footing as far as the quality was concerned. And they kind of competed with Bayern all the way to the end. However, going into the game against Manchester United, you just wonder if playing on the break will be possible against a team that themselves want to play on the break and will be happy to concede possession. And whether Leipzig can get the balance right on Saturday, it was just about right, but they still conceded a lot of chances. Christoph, what is your feeling about this Leipzig side? Are they ready to kind of to make the next step, or is three three against Bayern sort of the best that it gets with this team at the moment? I think what we already see is that they have made uh, the next step, and the next step is probably not becoming a serious contender for the German Championship, but, but becoming a serious contender for the the team behind Bayern. Because um, uh, in a way, it looks like as if uh, Leipzig is the second best team in the Bundesliga right now, and I, I, I find that very impressive. Um, uh, if you if you look at um, how demanding their Champions League group is, and um, with Manchester United and PSG as opponents, and you're still having a chance to qualify for, for the next round, and, and at the same time switched in between this uh, away game to uh, to Turkey and the home uh, game against uh, Manchester United, uh, you're having a 3-3 draw at Bayern Munich. I think everybody should be happy at, at Leipzig, and I think they are. Uh, maybe they're thinking, oh, yeah, we, we could have won it, but but after one night's sleep, you would, I think everybody is uh, pretty satisfied, and pretty satisfied with that it looks as if their team is a second force in German football right now, or for now. I think ultimately results will define where they feel they're at. I agree with Christoph. I think they are putting serious pressure on Dortmund in terms of being uh, the team that's the main challenger to Bayern. The squad is very deep in terms of numbers. It still doesn't feel to me as though there is a best 11. That's not necessarily a bad thing because Julian Nagelsmann is the kind of coach that will mix and match and he will look at the opposition and he'll pick a totally different lineup, perhaps sometimes to the one you expect. I think where they're at right now in the league, 
They've gone to Bayern. They've gone to Leverkusen. They've got draws from both of those games. High quality games, both of them were. So it does feel like they're making progress. I thought it was really interesting that Nagelsmann said that he made a lot of changes in the second half. Openly admitted he was thinking of the game against Manchester United on Tuesday. That's quite a big admission to make when you think of the the uh, you know the magnitude of the game against Bayern that he's already thinking of the next game. But I think that's the case with a lot of clubs having to plan two, three, four steps ahead. But they're playing some fantastic football. But, but when you say they, um, that they almost don't have a best 11, I think in a way this season shows that especially the top teams, they probably they have a best uh, uh, 11, but, but they, the concept is almost gone because you have to make so, so many changes. And I... I think it's 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 really fascinating to see how how the um, uh, coaches are dealing with uh, the, this job, how how they do it, how they change, how they pre-plan, and how they how they try to protect their players from injuries uh, because I think that's uh, the main concern here. And uh, they they are not all succeeding when you when you look on the list how how many players are are missing already, not only from the big team. So, so it's it's a uh, yeah. Uh, the the is there still a, a best eleven? Probably yes, but in reality not. Well, I think the fact that there is no best eleven for this Leipzig team is, has worked in their favor because you can make changes without an obvious loss in quality. It almost doesn't matter who of the number tens is playing; they all play at a similar level. I think that's the big bonus. The negative, I think, or the the drawback is that there isn't perhaps. The, quite the superstar quality that, that certainly Bayern have, that Dortmund have in one or two positions, like Leipzig are a collective team. And I think what Nagelsmann has done well is to have that collective style without necessarily overexerting the players physically. They look, of all the big teams, and I think we can count them as one, they actually look the sharpest. And they, they, don't, look, they don't look tired. They've had a long season, only a few days shorter than Bayern. But they don't, um, they don't look it. And I think that's down to the way that Nagelsmann is, is coaching his side. But I think on, on Tuesday, they will have a, a big challenge to play against a team that um, has proved a very bad matchup for them, as we saw in the 5-0 game, even though Nagelsmann made, made the point um, that it wasn't really a 5-0 game and that the result was perhaps slightly misleading but we'll see we'll see what they can do let me add add, add something here probably because i i think what we also see this season is a kind of maybe secret battle of the uh, backroom uh, personnel of the club so who has the best athletic coaches who has the best people to to analyze the state of fitness of of their players to to avoid injuries and and i think at the end of the season or maybe at this uh, mini break in winter you can uh, you can look at how, how many players have have missed how many games and so on and then you can see who the winner is but i think it's um, it's really really important obviously rb leipzig seems to be ahead of the rest here i think it's an excellent point looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. 
Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to Leverkusen. They are ahead of almost everyone else uh, by this stage. Only Bayern top of the Bundesliga ahead of them after a 3-0 win at Schalke. Now, winning 3-0 at Schalke these days is perhaps to be expected. But Leverkusen's consistency has been pretty impressive, especially considering that they are playing in the Europa League uh, every other day. Kevin, how good is this Leverkusen team and can they still be involved in this battle for second if indeed there is not more to be won this year in the Bundesliga? I think they can. I actually think they can play better. I think there have been a few games where I've covered Leverkusen and thought, well, they played well, but they didn't play brilliantly. They haven't blown many teams away. Yes, they beat Schalke comfortably. Uh, the game was in the balance for a bit at 1-0. There's a lot to like. I like the style of football. I like the speed with which they play. I think Moussa Diaby and Leon Bailey out wide are thrilling players who are playing really well right now. Bailey's putting up some good numbers and looks a lot more focused, a lot sharper than he has done uh, in the last year or so. So I think that's a real positive for them. Patrick Schick is still settling in uh, by his standards, missed a couple of really good chances against Schalke. So I actually think... This is a team that's got one or two gears more to go up. So it's an encouraging situation from that point of view. But I do still think there are issues for them. I worry about them defensively. I worry about them at fullback. Uh, I think Daly Singrav is a good player down the left-hand side. Uh, but on the right-hand side, I still think Lars Bender, it's very dependent on his fitness and how many games he's actually going to play. So... With Santiago Arias out long term, I wonder if they might do something in January. So very good so far in terms of the results, in terms of the way they've balanced the two competitions. In terms of performance level, I still think they can go higher. What do you make of them, Christoph? I would agree. If you try to imagine where to, to put them in the order of the Bundesliga, I think they are where they have been in, in recent years. So I, I, uh, there are the top three, uh, Bayern, uh, Dortmund and Leipzig, or, or Bayern, Leipzig and Dortmund. And then there is this fight for the fourth uh, spot in the uh, Champions League. And in the last years, it was, a, it was between uh, Leverkusen and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And my impression now, Bayer Leverkusen is, is a bit better in the Bundesliga than uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach right now. And I think that it's a good achievement for Leverkusen. I agree with Kevin that uh, their performance is, is, is good, but rarely very impressive. They have good players, and uh, but not fantastic players maybe Florian Wirtz is is on on its his way to become a fantastic player but they manage it very well they have also uh, a lot of injuries of important players but uh, went easily almost easily through their Europa League group and um, play decent football in the Bundesliga so all good for Leverkusen but I would say not more than that okay uh, and all good for Schalke maybe not they tried they tried really hard that's me they, they scored a good goal no but i really felt they scored a good goal which was unfortunately just offside it was a nice move yes but uh, yeah not 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 um not very encouraging um three points after 10 games zero wins goal difference of minus 25 six goals scored 
in 10 games. Next, they've got Augsburg, then Freiburg, then Bielefeld before the short Christmas break. If they don't win any of those three games, at least two of those three games, is this going to be all over already? I think psychologically, it would be a hammer blow. And I think the psychology of it is the thing that's the most important for them right now, because there are small steps in terms of how they approach games. So I actually think even though they've lost 4-1 to Gladbach, 3-0 to Leverkusen, they were well beaten and deserve to lose the games. However, the difference I think there's been is when the first goal goes in, the heads don't go down. And at 1-0 for a long time against Leverkusen, they were in the game. And I think that is an improvement from some of the other matches that we've seen. They are still not functioning well as a team. I'm still not sure that some of the young guys that are coming in, even though I applaud the sentiment in bringing those young guys in, and even though I applaud the fact that they will run through brick walls for the club and they do really want to show what they can do, I would question whether they're good enough. And so they've got a lot to work on in terms of the shape of the team. But I think you're absolutely right, Rafa. I think this spell now between now and Christmas defines the rest of their season, not just in terms of points. I think they there are enough poor teams down there for them to catch up, but in terms of the psychology of it, because if they have a bad run and don't win any of the games, uh, it's going to feel awful for them going into 2021. So they need to get that first win. And I actually think that would change things massively in terms of their approach. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Kevin. I think you're right. There is a sense that things are moving in the right direction. However, we've been saying that ever since Manuel Baum has taken over. And of course, the results haven't gone according to plan. Now, if losing 3-0 can, can be seen as something positive because you know the heads <laughs> didn't drop and they kind of stayed in the game. <laughs> I mean, that's already, uh, I mean, an indication of where Schalke are, isn't it? This is, this is desperate stuff, Christoph. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean if, if, if you talk about uh, positive development, they come, uh, come at a glacier speed or so. Uh, it's, it's so. It's so, so slow. And uh, I think in reality, uh, they look hopeless. Uh, and then they got the penalty and they and then they didn't convert it and, and so it's it's as if everything is going wrong i'm i'm lacking um the fantasy how how schalke can turn turn this around i think um in a way it uh, I, I, yes there is it, it's not over i mean it's uh, how 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 do we say there are so many uh, uh, points uh, that you can win i, I think how many is it now uh, over 60 or so so uh, uh, but but how can this uh, team uh, win a game I, I i don't have an idea they don't have an idea i think but um maybe it happens in the weeks to come and uh, then then we can see if if it really helps to uh change uh, things around wow even i'm depressed now it sounds very very grim um kevin you said earlier that your goal of the weekend was uh sealers vamangituka's effort um for those who haven't seen it it was probably the most sort of drawn out scoring uh, process since donna summer's love to love you baby but can you maybe maybe explain to the listeners what what exactly happened in Stuttgart's game against Bremen. 
Okay, so uh, the score is 1-0 to Stuttgart at this point. Uh, Werder Bremen trying to get back into the game. And Werder Bremen do specialise in wonderful, calamitous moments. And uh, they had one of those as Irma Toprak waited for Jerzy Pavlenka to come and get the ball. A little bit of after you, sir. No after you, sir. And Silas Wamengatuka, who had already scored a goal, uh, nipped in between them and raced towards goal, except he didn't race towards goal. He wandered towards goal at a very slow pace. And uh, playground rules dictate that what he should have done was walk the ball up to the goal line, got on his knees, then just nod the ball over the line. That's what we would have done in the playground years ago. But he actually just slowed up, walked towards goal, in very much in the way that goalkeepers, when they're wasting time, uh, just hover their hands over the ball uh, until the striker uh, gets right on top of them and then they pick the ball up he did exactly the same thing and then smashed the ball in late Davy Zelka the Verde striker went absolutely nuts at this went over to Wamangatuka and uh, uh, gave him an earful of abuse and then the referee booked Wamangatuka, which I thought was an outrage I thought that was very harsh I saw absolutely nothing wrong in what he did yeah it was a slightly puzzling decision because if you consider it a um, unsporting behaviour, then there is actually a, an option to give a yellow card and um, make it a free kick for Werder Bremen. But of course, it, it didn't go that far. As you said, there was no keepy-uppies, no heading it over the line on your knees, anything like that. If not, it would have been fun. Yeah, I would have um, enjoyed that. <laughs> that would have been goal of the season for me if he'd done that. Um, in the end, I think Vamangi Tuka was just booked because... Referee felt okay. There's a melee. There's there's uh, there's an argument on the pitch, and in the interest of fair play, I'm just going to book both parties. But you say, I mean, you're right. He, he really didn't do anything wrong. Christoph, does this goal kind of still show us that Werder, for all the the improvements and the progress that they have made this year, where they're much better in terms of you know avoiding a relegation fights, still uh, are capable of of moments of of gross sort of incompetence, especially at the back. Yeah, and but on the other hand side, Stuttgart is a good team. I I continued continuously say that every week, and um, uh, again um, at Bremen they were the better team, and it was an interesting uh, uh, an interesting match to watch. I, I liked it in a way, and also uh, Werder had had uh, good moments, but were just Stuttgart was a better team in this. So so I wouldn't wouldn't go too far in the interpretation of 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 this uh, what, what was going on there because last season uh, Werder Bremen was very often uh, desperate and and now they are a average team in, in the Bundesliga and I think it's still a progress although they will be frustrated from the outcome of the match against Stuttgart. Financially I think they take that yeah. Werder Bremen. I think given where they could have been. You know, they couldn't have hung on by a, a narrower margin last season, winning the relegation playoff against Heidenheim on away goals. You can't get much closer than that. I think they'd be happy to kind of just be bobbing along. And I don't think there's that much quality in the squad. I think there are big holes there. I think some good players, but... Are they anywhere near the top six or top eight? No, absolutely not. So I think if they survive comfortably, they've done their job, I think. But Stuttgart, one of my kind of classic Hatchard humble pie moments where I got this totally wrong, because when Tim Walter was sacked last season, when Stuttgart were third in Bundesliga 2, 
and they replaced him with Pellegrino Matarazzo. I was saying, oh, this is ridiculous. Valter's a really good coach at Stuttgart. <laughs> making a massive mistake. What are they doing? And now here they are in the Bundesliga playing amazing football. What do I know? Uh, you know? And I love the way they play. I love the speed with which they play. I love the adventure. I love the profile of the players. They're signing really good, promising young players. I think Tongi Koulibaly is a really good, fun player to watch. I think they're great. Yeah, and they are now up to eighth place, only two points behind the European places, whereas Werder are very much in the middle, or slightly below, on 11 points after 10 games. That's 12th position, although things can still change with Hoffenheim having a game in hand as we record the pod. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Christoph, this wouldn't be a Starcast without uh, our Union Berlin section. They went up against Hertha in the Berlin Derby on Friday night. A lot of people, me included, thought, okay, this is the game where... Everything changes. Union will win to get into the Champions League places and Hertha will go all the way down <laughs> and suddenly fight against relegation uh, with Max Kruse scoring five goals. But of course, it didn't work out that way, did it? No, I, I, it was the Black Friday for um, Union Berlin, not only because they, um, they lost a, a match they wouldn't have lost if uh, Robert Andrich wouldn't have tried to uh, scratch uh, Toussaint's uh, head with his shoes or wh whatever it was like. So, um, uh, or was it just the, the old school uh, kung fu uh, kick? No, he was sent off after um, 25 minutes when uh, Union was 1-0 up. And at that time, uh, nobody would have expected Hertha to, to score a goal. And uh, with one man more on the on the pitch, Hertha in, uh, managed to to get a three one win, and that would have been disappointing. But the the big blow came in the last seconds of the match when um, Max Kruse injured himself, and now we know that he will be out for almost eight nine weeks, and uh, because of a tall torn muscle and um, this is uh, yeah that's terrible news for um, for Union Berlin because he scored a lot of goals gave a lot of assists and was in a, a, a um, transformative inspiration for uh, Union Berlin and now he is he will be missing uh, until February or even longer and uh, with impeccable timing of course I did write a big Max Kruser piece Uh, on Friday, which is still relevant, but uh, I guess we all have to wait for his magic to be to be on the pitch in a couple of months' time. Um, 
Hertha, though, Kevin, they made the most out of the opportunity presented to them by Andrich's indiscretion. Yeah, they did. And they've needed a moment like this for a while. They really have, because they are a talented squad. It's a squad that's had a lot of money spent on it. And they needed a statement victory. And I think this was it. Uh, Christoph Piontek needed those goals because he was behind John Cordoba in the pecking order at the start of the season. Uh, and even with Cordoba injured, he hasn't necessarily been a guaranteed starter. So him scoring twice was big for them. I still think defensively they look really vulnerable and Bruno Labbadia has got a lot of work to do in that regard. Uh, I did very much enjoy Robert Andrich once he'd uh, effectively kicked Luka Toussaint in the neck with the biggest moment of optimism you'll see as he waited on the pitch to see if uh, VAR would downgrade it to a yellow. Uh, it was utterly ridiculous. It was, it was an absurd challenge. Um, and they took advantage of that. And I think if they hadn't won that game, having played against 10 men for so long, uh, that would have been a big psychological blow. They're, they're way better than their current position. The question now is, can they bridge the gap between where they are now and the top six by the end of the season? I was, in a way, very disappointed by by, by Hertha. So I, I don't know. if it, Is it really a statement, a win? Because... They, they created uh, 0.8 expected goals in a, in a game where they were one man more for 70 minutes or so. They, they, they looked very uninspired. And um, although they have these good players, my doubts are growing that Bruno Labbadia is able to transform them in a, in a, in a team that um, is able to play inspired football and uh, in the, on the uh, attacking end of the, uh, of, of the pitch and uh, defensive sound football on the other. So in a way, I, I was disappointed. If you look at where he's come from, from where they were. So when he took over, they'd had this absolute chaos. Jurgen Klinsmann had come in and then flounced out a few weeks later. You'd had uh, Ante Chovic, who wasn't up to the job at the start of the season. Alex Nuri came in and he didn't last very long. So he was their fourth coach of last season. He did the job in terms of leading them away from relegation danger. And I know there's a lot of expectation because, as I say, they've spent a lot of money. But it takes a while to then build a team. And I, I still think he's working through that. Yes, they didn't blow Union away, but I think there was an element of fear there as well because I think they knew how important it would be if they lost that game uh, in terms of you know how the fans would react to that. Obviously, there's no fans in the stadium at the moment, but fans beyond that. Uh, and so I think it was, it was really important to get that win. I still think they'll be fine. I think, still think there's a huge amount of quality in that team. I think Gendouzi was great. I think he'll be important for them going forward. So it's just finding that balance. But I think they're OK. OK, we'll have to see how OK translates when it comes to the ambition of the uh, <laughs> investor. Uh, I'm not sure that a, another mid-table finish will be deemed successful, um, considering all the investment that has come in and might still come in on top of that. Uh, but before we go, I think we have to talk a little bit about one of the few certainties in modern life. Uh, there's death, there's taxes, there's Schalke losing, and Dortmund, hmm, I'm careful, careful not to square here, messing things up against mid-table opposition. A 1-1 draw at Frankfurt and Lucien Favre coming out and saying 
One point is always good for me. Christoph, what is going on in the head of your friend Lucia? <laughs> what he wanted to say is, I try to to help him out here is, um, and I think he actually said it. I mean, we would have been happy if we had got a draw in Augsburg and uh, against Cologne where we have lost. So we are happy that we didn't lose a at Frankfurt where we played a, a terrible first half and had get a, got a better second half, uh, managed to equalize and unfortunately didn't win. I think that's the longer version of uh, w what he, he wanted to say. And in a, in a way, it's true. In another way, I understand all the Borussia Dortmund fans who are protesting and moaning and groaning uh, about this and... Uh, yeah, uh, they, they will have to do it for uh, six or seven more months and uh, then uh, somebody else will come in and let's see if, if the moaning ends then. Uh, it was a tough week for them. They lost to Köln. They weren't great against Lazio, but they did enough to qualify for the last 16 of the Champions League. And we know financially how important that is. So that's a massive step for them in that regard. But it still just feels like he has all this quality, all this talent in the squad, and it is slightly being wasted. It just feels like... I understand what Christoph is saying. He's saying that at least we didn't lose the game, so that's great. But... Frankfurt are a good side. They're not a great side. Can you imagine Hansi Flick going there with Bayern, coming out with a draw and saying, well, you know, at least we've got a point. That's OK. No, it, it, there's too big a gap, I think, between where they should be and where they are. And they've played some really nice football. Haaland has been sensational. Of course, he's now injured. So they were missing him for this game. Gio Reyna's having some really bright moments. But that makes it worse in a way because he's got all that talent and he's not able to combine it in a way that is making them consistent. They're still in the title race, but you wonder for how long. And it's going to be more difficult without Erling Haaland, who unfortunately picked up an injury just before the Lazio game. Yusuf Amukoko was given a few minutes, as, um, well, actually the f all of the second half, to be a replacement. He hasn't quite yet been a factor for Dortmund. But th there's something I, I saw, Christoph, that got me a little bit concerned or maybe it just reinforced sort of the the cliche and stereotypes that uh, that have been built around the Stolpen side I think 18 or it could be even 19 I have to double check but either 18 or 19 of their 22 goals have come in the second half this season this cannot just be a coincidence there is something lacking when Dortmund approach these games especially against opposition where they feel superior Lucien Favre said after the Lazio game that Dortmund should not be underestimated and should not be overestimated. Now, that is, I think, a useful um, way to look at any team. But does it, does it show us, perhaps, that his kind of very measured and very you know, neutral and, and factual way of looking at football perhaps doesn't create the kind of focus and energy and urgency that teams need, especially going into those kind of games? Maybe, yes. I, I think every every team, in a way, reflects um, um, the personality of the, of the coach um, in one way or another, um, especially if, you, if, a, if a, a team is working uh, together with a coach for, for a longer period. And um, 
And so you 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 you, you can see the good sides and the 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 bad sides of the um, of the the personality of the coach here. In in good moments, uh, Borussia Dortmund is very well organized. Or, or they are mostly very well organized and and prepared for the matches and and so on. But yeah, there is this emotional thing may sometimes seems to to be lacking on the other hand side it's 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 a long season um so you can't approach matches continuously um via a mentality or so bayern can do they is it is it always mentality or isn't it very often just uh, uh, a quality and organization and um, they, I mean, they. Uh, we have been talking about the mentality of the Bayern team right now, where, where they are struggling, but very often they um, uh, they were just well organized, prepared, went on the pitch, did their job, and and went home without uh, a lot of um, um, fuss. Without, yes, a do. <laughs> I know it's all ifs, buts, and maybes, and this is pointless conjecture to some extent, but. I think if you put Julian Nagelsmann in that situation with that squad, when you're looking at a title race, it's a handful of points generally. Do they have a handful of points more if Nagelsmann is in charge of that squad? I fervently believe the answer to that is yes. I think he would make more of... Uh, I'm not suggesting he will get the job or should take the job or whatever. But if you put him in there, I think he would maximise that potential more. And I'm a huge Favre fan. I have been for years. Love what he did at Gladbach. They're one of my... That Gladbach team with Cruiser, Raphael, one of my favourite ever Bundesliga teams. But I just don't think he is suited for a title race at this level for a club at this level i, I might be, I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong I, i'm just not sure i will be uh, kevin maybe you would recommend tim walter to take out <laughs> oh tim walter is going to be my new ahmed kutsuju isn't he yes. yeah the new pet project um but, yeah. but if a tim walter could coach ahmed kutsuju that oh, was just imagine it. just imagine yeah it. that would be ideal that'd be the dream team but um, we, we all, I think, by now have seen reports, heard rumors, heard whispers that Marco Rosa might indeed be the elected successor, if Dortmund can, can get their way, for Lucien Favre. The question is, before we go, Christoph, um, you're saying that, you know, the Dortmund fans can moan for another six months or so. But is that really now that, that all they can do? I mean, will Dortmund just say, OK, you know... Change is coming, Favre is here, we just have to just keep doing this. Or will there come a point maybe with the title race being open where they might actually try to intervene once more in one, one way or another? They, we, we saw last year that they effectively forced them to play through at the back. Is it f conceivable that they would somehow force him to be different or maybe put Matthias Sommer in the dressing room before a game or, or do something to, to shake this team up a little bit? I wouldn't expect it, no. Uh, I, I think as long as uh, things are going like they did in, in, in recent years, and uh, I mean, Borussia Dortmund managed to, to qualify for the Champions League constantly. They uh, got good results in, in the Champions League. And yeah, there is um, this uh, constant level of disappointment on the one hand side, but they are... 
um, uh, they are not way off from uh, where they're heading uh, or want to head to. So I, I think as long as there is not a dramatic change and Dortmund starts losing uh, games in a row or whatever, um, I think uh, things will more or less be unchanged. Okay. It's quite a depressing way to finish the pod, I think. But um... maybe that would be different if if there would be uh, fans in the stadium, because maybe there would be a a very loud uproar of or a or they would voice their disappointment or whatever. I don't know if if, if maybe there could be this kind of situation where the people in the in the stands uh, put their thumb down on on Lucien Favre. But but I think without this um, and and playing in this kind of void and and pressure seems to be abstract or comes from social media or whatever i am um, uh, i i think um uh, there will no no big change no uh, one very positive thing though i have to say Gio reyna what a goal uh, against frankfurt and uh, you know uh, the temptation because i'm quite down on favre and the way he's leading this team it is to think that there's there's nothing good going on but some of the performances from the youngsters this season from them have been exceptional it's just the collective that sometimes falls a bit short but Reina that goal against Frankfurt absolutely sensational yeah couldn't couldn't agree more Kevin is a good point you make and a slightly more uplifting end to this pod to let's look at all the the good stuff that Dortmund do play occasionally and forget about the insipid draws and defeats that they managed to somehow wreck up quite regularly under Lucien Favre. Let's um, see what they do next week when we come back. Um, they're playing Stuttgart, so that should be an interesting one. And Bayern are at Union, so lots of stuff bound to happen. I hope you'll join us again. I hope you, Kevin, and Christoph will be on board as well. See you then. <laughs>